2022 college football season is almost upon us. We're a couple weeks away from week zero. We Hate Your Team is back for season two. I'm Kelly Ford, and with me as always is my co-host, Zach King. Kinger, 2022 season, how are we feeling? I'm feeling great, man. We're back bigger and better than ever. The sense of college football, the feeling is in the air. We're approaching mid-August here, like you said, a few weeks away. Uh, the feeling is palpable, right? Uh, all the excitement, you're ready to see how your team does take on a new year, new expectations, uh, whole new team, ready to see, ready, clean slate for everybody. Um, and it just feels so good that we're finally at this point. We made it through the dog days of summer and we're right on the verge of season two. And I'm happy to be back with you, buddy. Looking forward to it. Uh, King, it's going to be amazing. We've made it, as you said. The worst time of year is after the confetti falls at the national championship game and before the first ball is kicked off in August. So we're almost there. You mentioned expectations, King. This offseason, or this summer, I should say. Offseason's a dirty word, I know. This summer, I, I put out on Twitter some realistic expectations for all 131 FBS teams because... Not only are we moving into 2022, we're bringing someone new with us, King, James Madison, making the move up from FCS to FBS. They'll be playing in the Sun Belt this year. Uh, but those Very are really- appropriate that they got the shout-out, Kelly. Nice, nicely done. Right, absolutely. Hey, you know, we're here. We're, we're talking about everybody. That's what we're going to do tonight. But I think it's really important that everyone keeps a good frame of reference for what is the expectation for their team this year. So I'd encourage you to check out those, those charts that I put out there on Twitter if you haven't seen them already. Those are based on my preliminary numbers, King, which, as you know, I am in the process of updating and finalizing to be my official preseason numbers. But I got him about 95% of the way there. That's what I'm going to reference tonight. So, yeah, man, we're talking conference previews. You want to just dive right on into it? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right, so we're going to go over each conf- each uh, of the 11 or 10 conferences. So we're going to take a quick look at independence as well. But then we want to talk about who is going to be the favorite in each of our opinions in each conference, who's maybe a dark horse team that is not getting enough respect right now, and then, King, who's a team that we hate, right? This podcast is called We Hate Your Team. And we're both pretty nice guys. And I think in season one, as we were feeling things out, I, I think our niceness shone through a little bit. And I got some feedback over the summer. I, I know you have as well about, guys, this is We Hate Your Team. We're going to embrace the hate a little bit this year. So we're going to get after it a little bit, some teams that we hate. King, let's start in the Pac-12, and I'll let you go first. We're looking for your favorite, your dark horse, and then who do you hate this year in the Pac-12? Pac-12, getting right after it. You know, I think you did a great job of just setting that up there, Kelly, right? You know, both of us, we are nice guys. I like that description. At the end of the day, we definitely don't like every single college football team out there. And half the stuff we see online, Twitter, people with unrealistic expectations, too much hype around certain teams, not enough hype around other teams. We're just going to be honest. We're going to just let them have it this year. We're not going to hold back. And, uh, you know, we're bringing a new perspective here to the We Hate Your Team podcast, and I'm glad we've incorporated this into a segment. So to start, Pac-12. You know, I'm going to take Utah this year. They are the favorite. The over-under, I think, is sitting at 10.5 games right now. I think it started at 9.5 to begin. Bringing back 14 starters. First team, all Pac-12 running back. Tavion Thomas is back. Cam Rising, very successful year last year at the Utah QB. O-line's always good in Kyle Whittingham's offense, bringing back four starters this year. Uh, I think even though the defense lost uh, some talent, uh, Mika Tafusi, Devin Lloyd, um, the schedule sets up pretty well for them. They do have five true road games, including at Florida, at Oregon. Um, but I think on paper, obviously the Pac-12 isn't quite as deep this year. Uh, I like Utah to win 10 games. 
um, at least at this season. I think this roster is deep enough. Um, that offense is, is very tough to contain. So I'm rolling with Utah to start. King, I'm right there with you. Utah is going to be the team that I think is the favorite in the Pac-12. You said they're the betting favorite. I, I was, the odds I'm looking at right now actually have USC at plus 200 as the favorite with Utah at plus 240, Oregon plus 250, and then UCLA and Washington both at plus 1,000. So Vegas sees it as a three-horse race with USC, Utah, and Oregon, but I'm with you. I'm with the Utes. Uh, I've got Utah as around number 10 right now in my power ratings. Uh, They're going to be favored in all 12 games they play this year by my current numbers. The closest game is when they go up to Oregon, the second-to-last game of the regular season. I've actually got that as an exact 50-50 toss-up. My numbers lean by less than half a point towards uh, Utah right now. But Utah is going to be my favorite. I've got a a 9.4 expected wins, 6.9 conference wins, followed very closely by Oregon, who I just mentioned at 6.8. So the Pac-12 doing something interesting this year, uh, doing away with their divisions. It's just going to be the two teams with the best conference record playing in the conference championship game. So I've got that as Utah and Oregon, but I'm going to take Utah here. Uh, I, th- I think the Utes, the Pac- reigning Pac-12 champs, I think they should be the favorite to get it done again. So Kinger, who's a dark horse? I've just mentioned Utah, Oregon, USC. Is there a team outside those three you think has a shot to make some noise in the Pac-12? Yeah, I just want to comment here. I went to my site as well, and I am seeing USC is plus 225 as the Pac-12 conference winner with Utah. So I did misspeak there. Um, and and, I'm, and for, for, the, for the record, for those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm going to trust King on all things betting and numbers. He says his site, his site's what's right. I just looked up some stuff right before the episode so we could get, get um, some context for it. But King is your expert better. He's the one that has all the tidbits there. So just for our new folks, uh, trust King. You were, King, remind everybody, since we do have some new folks listening probably, what was your record last year? You were you you were plus money, right? You, we fit, you were, you were yeah, possible. Yeah, 42-35-2. I think we started week six. Uh, good bowl season to end the year, so we ended profitable week year one, right? So we're back. We're going to keep it rolling with, with this college football here year two. But, no, I said the betting favorite, so thanks for adding that in there that USC uh, is obviously right up there with Utah. So the dark horse, I really think this is probably going to be a three-horse race between Utah and Oregon's still my second team. USC is going to sit there at three. But outside of that, I think the team that probably brings the most excitement and is going to bring the most challenge to those is going to be UCLA, right? They only bring back eight starters this year after returning 20 from last year. But the reason why I am so high on them is they straight up, they got some ball players on offense, right? Dorian Thompson, Robin, his senior year, he's put up some numbers. They have one of the best running backs in the country in Zach Charbonnet. They did lose three starters on the offensive line, but they added some transfers in at depth. That offense is going to put up numbers, right? Tight end room's always deep at UCLA. We'll see how the de- we'll see how the defense goes. The pass defense is going to be a little bit of concern, uh, but Pac-12 road games this year: Colorado, Oregon, ASU, and Cal. Right? Oregon's a tough one, but all those are winners. I can see UCLA going eight and four, maybe nine and three, um, but they're probably going to say who are the team with the betting odds here that I think has the best chance of knocking off one of those top guys. All right, I just want to say King and I did not uh, exchange notes before this episode, before this recording. But King, I'm right there with you again. It's UCLA. I think me. we're going to have some of that tonight, dude. I, I naturally do. You know, the, the, the numbers I bring, the feel, and the, and the the watching games and betting expertise that you have, we're, we're aligning here in the preseason in the Pac-12 at least. I, I'm with UCLA on this one, and it it has less to do with what my numbers expect out of UCLA in terms of their strength this year. They're about a top 40 team, which is respectable. Um, I, I'm not loving it though, right? This is we hate your team. I'm not going to love you just because you're top 40, but it's really the schedule. UCLA has the easiest schedule in all of the Power Five. I did something earlier this offseason this summer. In all the Power Five? In all the Power Five, King. UCLA has the 
easiest schedule of all Power 5 teams. To me, that's what makes them a dark horse here. Not necessarily that I think they're going to be a great team, but that I think the schedule sets up in such a way that you said 8-4, and 9-3. and, nine and three. King, I got 8.3 expected wins for UCLA this year. 5.4 conference wins, which is good enough for fourth best in the conference behind Utah, Oregon, and USC, uh, just ahead of Washington, who's another team I want to mention because uh, for our guy P-Dog, Andrew Purcell out there in Washington, I, t- I took some heat last year, King. I don't know if you remember in the preseason, I didn't have Washington. You took a lot of heat for I, that, I, bro. A I lot of heat for that. I didn't have Washington or Indiana in my preseason top 25 last year in the K-Ford ratings. And everyone kind of jumped on me for that, even some of my friends. And they were just like, I, I don't. I was just like, guys, I'm just telling you this is what the numbers say. This is what it is. Well, Washington comes out and loses to an FCS team in week one, goes on to have a pretty poor season. Indiana goes 2-10 and 10 last year, I believe it was. A very poor season. I... I I don't take many victory laps. That's one I feel like I earned. But the good news for P-Dog is I do think And you take that. Absolutely. Take that victory lap, Kelly. In the the new approach to We Hate Your Team, I'm going to throw a little more shade and hate, and I'm going to take a little more credit and shine where it's earned. So how about that, King? But, yeah, P-Dog, I think Washington's going to be a decent team this year. I got them as a top 50 team right around number 50. So you're above average FBS, you're below average Power 5, but still it's a great improvement from last year, and I could see Washington kind of being that next team behind UCLA if you're looking for another dark horse. So, Kinger, all right, we're both on Utah as the favorites. We're both on UCLA as the dark horse. New new segment, King. Who do you hate this year in the Pac-12? Who do you hate? And we're just going to start it off. I guarantee we're going to be three for three here, because I know you're where you're going for this, and I'm going with, with USC as well on this, Bingo. right? And, I mean, you just, from an odds perspective, and, and you, I think you threw out this example on Twitter. I think I saw you, right? Plus 200, plus 225, whatever it is, tied with Utah for the best odds to win the Pac-12. That does not make a lot of sense to me. And you have to give Lincoln Riley the credit. He's come in. He's really overhauled that program. He's brought in some absolute studs. That offense should be very solid this year. They definitely have one of the top two or three best wide receiver rooms in the country. You can't overstate how good Caleb Williams was last year. Um, but they're returning three players on defense. And, you know, from USC's perspective, USC fans' perspective, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world because of how bad that defense was last year. They brought in a lot of transfers, a lot of new depth. But at the end of the day, this is very unproven, right? They have, they have expectations come out that USC is going to go out and automatically win 10 games. I just uh, I don't think that that's very realistic right now, right? Like I said, they have an entirely new secondary, unproven depth at D-line and linebacker. I mean, their schedule isn't too bad, but they have to go to Utah, which is going to be a very tough game, Notre Dame at the end of the year. Um, You know, even week two at Stanford, Stanford's offense is going to be better this year, right? They return 10 starters. That's a potential upset game. That's not going to be a walk in the park for USC. So uh, to put them as a favorite, it just, I don't see it. It's too much too early. King, I'm right there with you. Uh, Yeah, it's USC, like you said. Lincoln Riley, give him some credit. He brought in Caleb Williams. He brought in Addison. He brought in all these fancy toys, these shiny toys, these great skill position players on the offensive side of the ball. I think Travis Dye from Oregon is a great addition for them as well. Definitely But King, King, the problem with USC last year was not the offense. Now, they weren't a juggernaut on offense by any means, but the offense was respectable. The problem last year was the defense, King. By my numbers, USC defense in 2021, number 108 out of 130 last year. Again, we were at 131 now with James Madison, but 108 out of 130. Like, that is not good. I'll, I'll take it a step further. That is bad. That is really bad, especially for a program like USC, who's who's a blue blue blood in the sport, supposedly the best brand on the on the West Coast. I won't say supposedly. They are. They are the best brand on the West Coast. There's a reason the Big Ten wanted them. There's a reason the Big Ten got them. 
that's a whole nother episode, King, that we can talk about later. But for now, they're in the Pac-12 the way it should be, in my opinion. And yeah, USC, this talk about them winning the Pac-12, this talk about them making the college football playoff. Like, I'm not doubting that Lincoln Riley can get there at USC at some point. I'm doubting that they're going to get there in 2022. Now, my numbers, my preliminary numbers that I did uh, back in June, they were even lower on USC than I am now. So I've I've continued to update and incorporate things into my numbers as I'm working towards the finalization. USC has jumped up to almost a fringe top 25 team in my power ratings. They're they're just inside the top 30. So they've made a good improvement from when I first published my preliminary numbers back in June. But still, until I see it on the defensive side of the ball, I am not going to say USC is going to be a favorite for the Pac-12, let alone for the college football playoff, which is what some people are pushing for in 2022, King. So they are the betting favorite, I, and I hate it because there is, in my opinion right now, looking at my numbers, there is just no reason to think that USC is going to win the Pac-12. I don't even think they're going to play in the Pac-12 championship, King. And that's having said, I have them as the third best team in the Pac-12 and the third highest uh, projected conference win. So it's not like they're going to be at the bottom, but this talk about them winning it and being the playoff, like it's a little premature in my opinion. Definitely. And uh, I think we both have the same just outlook on this, right? It's just way too early and, and you can't give USC that kind of credit just based on the roster and where they were at last year. Now, I'm not, I don't think either of us are saying that USC can't do this. That's not where I would put my money in the Pac-12 this year. That's for sure. In the spirit of hating teams, I'm going all in and saying I hate USC in 2022. And it's Really not any of USC's fault, I guess. If you look at it, it's it's all of this outside public praise and expectation that's being heaped on USC this year. Whether they ask for it or not, this is what you get when you bring in Lincoln Riley, when you bring in Caleb Williams, when you bring in the Bolitnikoff winner. This is what happens. And I just don't think they're ready right now. Now, we'll see. But uh, for me, it's just not there. So, all right, King, we agreed on all of them. We both got Utah as a favorite. We both got UCLA as the dark horse. And we both have USC as the team we hate in the Pac-12. Let's bring it all the way across the country, King. We're going to go to the ACC next. I'm going to start with you again, King. I I like this rotation. I like this flow. So, to put you back on the spot, I I know you probably weren't thinking that, but I'm I'm putting you back on there. Who's your favorite in the ACC? You know, I really don't like it, I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to take Clemson here. I think I have to, and the main reason is is just because I think this defense is is going to be something special again. They were really good last year. They bring uh, top 10 units in the country at all three levels, right? Led by D-line, All-American Brian Breezy, Miles Murphy. Um, this is going to be, like it was last year, it's going to be tough to move the ball against Clemson. Um, and regardless of how poorly their offense looked at times last year, like as much as poorly as DJ played, right? They have to play at Notre Dame this year. But other than that, the schedule is very manageable. Wake Forest, Boston College, Florida State on the road. Uh, Clemson finished the year strong last year. The offensive line also was not where it normally is for a Dabo Sweeney team. It should be deeper. It should take another step. Will Shipley's projected to be uh, all ACC running back. He's a playmaker. Um, you know, I'm not, t- I think Clemson came out in the coaches poll today. I think a lot of people have them sitting there between four and six. I don't know if I would quite have them that tight high, uh, maybe a couple spots lower, but Clemson, I think is going to be able to hold on this year in the ACC. Um, I'm going to take them just barely to squeeze it out over North Carolina state. I think. Yeah. King, we're, geez, we're four for four, man. I'm with you on Clemson. I was just on radio today talking with my guy, Jake Wimberly down in Mississippi. He asked me about Clemson. Like to me, Clemson is the fourth best team in my power ratings. 
They have to be the favorites, in my opinion, right now to get that fourth and final playoff spot if you're going to assume that Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia are taking those top three. Again, that's not how it's going to play out, King, because last year we all assumed Oklahoma, Clemson, and Ohio State were shoe-ins for the college ball playoff, myself included. My numbers had all those teams in the top five. Now, I didn't have Oklahoma preseason number one, like either the coaches or the AP, I forget who it was. Somebody had Oklahoma preseason number one. I thought that was a bit of of an overstatement, but they're still a top five team going into last year. And King, not only did those three teams, talking about Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, not only did they not play or make the college football playoff, King, they didn't play for their conference championship games. So by us sitting here saying, hey, Clemson's the team that we think is going to rise, Clemson thinks we're going to bounce back, they're going to win the ACC, like that's where the smart money is. I mean, they are the favorites and it's not close right now. Clemson minus 125. Next best is Miami at plus 450. NC State plus 800. Nobody else is better than plus 1,000. So people think Clemson's going to win. My numbers think Clemson's going to win. That does not mean that that's how it's going to play out though. But right now, as we're playing the percentages, I'm looking at preseason inputs into my model. Clemson is that team that comes out on top. And part of the reason is King, they're favored in every single game. Like there's not one game on the schedule where my numbers say, okay, Clemson is going to be an underdog in this game, at least how it stands right now. Their closest game, their, their most competitive game by my numbers is at Notre Dame, kind of second half of the season. They're going to go up to South Bend. My numbers like Clemson by about three points right now, 59% win expectancy for the Tigers in that game. So when you're favored in all your games, I mean, you're going to be the favorite in the conference by my numbers. So that's just, that's kind of how that works. And I think they're going to bounce back, King. There's so much talent on that roster. You feel a little ugly doing it, though, right? Like I said, you feel a little ugly doing it just based on what we saw last year. Totally. I mean, they underachieved last year, and it was like at the beginning of the season. So they lose that game to Georgia, kind of an ugly game. Neither team looked great in it. Uh, Obviously, Georgia went on and had a fantastic season winning the national championship. The, The problem with Clemson last year, we talked about USC. The problem with that team was the defense. The problem with Clemson was the offense. Like, King, Clemson was consistently a top 10 team in my power ratings all last year, and people were killing me for it. They're like, dude, Clemson's lost three games. Clemson this, Clemson that. They barely beat Georgia Tech. They lo- they lose to NC State. They lost, to- they lost all these games. As I know, that defense was still incredible, though. That defense rate ranked number four last year by my numbers of the all defensive units in the country. It was the offense that was the problem. And I'll admit, I was surprised by that because I thought DJU was going to be a good quarterback. He was great when he filled in for Trevor Lawrence in, oh, his only, in yeah, 2020. Yeah, that's right? the only showing he did. He was great. Yeah, yep, and I know that, they, yeah. they lost the game at Notre Dame that he played, but it was a competitive game. Went to overtime or double overtime, I believe. Um, and, and he slung the ball all around the field. Like I thought he was going to step in. Things were going to be smooth. But I'll tell you what, King, if he struggles this year, he's got a five-star kid right behind him, too. So I'm not even saying that DJ is going to be the guy that's taking Clemson forward. If he struggles, there's someone else now who's who's sitting there on the bench ready to step in, whereas last year I don't think that was really the case. So uh, I do expect the offense to be improved, whoever's at quarterback. DJ is going to get the first crack, of course. Uh, But, yeah, my numbers like Clemson to be that team that, that steps up in the ACC this year. But you're right. You do feel a little almost slimy saying it for one reason or another, even like Neither one of us are Clemson fans. Now, I respect what they're doing. I respect what Dabo's done. I've actually started to like, and this is kind of a hot take, I've started to like Dabo a little bit more even uh, recently than I had in the past. Well, yeah, you so, that change. That yeah, changed so I, I, sure. I definitely didn't used to like Dabo. I, I very much preferred Nick Saban, Nick Saban's approach and, and style. Uh, I think Saban is the, the greatest coach to ever do it. Like that's not really debatable anymore at this point, in my opinion. But I'm sure people will take issue with that, and try to debate it. But either way, I was kind of turned off by Dabo. The more we've gone through some of these things, I'm not saying I agree with everything he says and does. But here's what I respect, King. Dabo's going to tell you what he thinks. Like we ask coaches, we ask administrators, we ask people. 
level with us. Tell us the truth. Hey, here's a situation. What do you think? Dabo tells you what he thinks. For better or worse, whether he's right or wrong, he tells you what he thinks, and he doesn't waver on it. Like, he might change his mind because new facts or whatever, but, like, his core beliefs have remained the same, and I respect someone who gets up there behind the microphone, tells you what he thinks, says, this is the way it is, this is the way I feel, this is the way we're going to run it, and then sticks to that. Like, that's admirable to me. Whether I agree with him on everything or not is beside the point. I appreciate and respect how he's upfront with people, doesn't lie, doesn't give you the coach speak and tell you what he thinks you want to hear. He tells it to you like it is in his opinion, again, right, wrong, or indifferent, and then he sticks with that. I, I don't know, King. I expect him to bounce back this year. I have a newfound respect for uh, Dabo Sweeney really, you know, coming out through COVID and all the changes we have in college athletics. I don't always agree with him, but I respect the way he goes about it. So there you go. There's an update for you on my feelings towards Dabo. I know we didn't ask for it, but take it for what it is. We're making it a lot more free-flowing this year, King. I'm already loving it. I think it's great. We're going to throw in some hate. We're going to throw in how we actually feel on stuff. It's not going to be so politically correct all the time, which I think is I no, think is needed. Early, I think Kelly. it's needed. I like that. We're vibing I early, love it. Yeah. I love it. Yep. All right, speaking of vibing, we got to get a sleeper in the ACC. Who are you going to go for your sleeper, King? And to me, I'm not going to lie. To me, this is a really tough one. So I have no idea where you're going because I actually don't know where I'm going. All right, so it's I agree with you, and I spent quite a bit of time debating this because there's a couple teams that I'm between, and I actually the team that I, I'm picking NC State as my sleeper, and I you know I don't think people can really say they're too much of a sleeper. Bringing back 17 starters, Devin Leary, that offense, what they did last year, um, I think they have a chance to take another step this year. But uh, you know that was between NC State and Pittsburgh. I'm actually going to give an argument as to why I just I don't I'm not quite fully believed all in on Pittsburgh here is is maybe my overrated team in the ACC but no it was tough right um, NC State non conference is much more gettable this year their toughest game Texas Tech at home they play Connecticut as well um, you know they do open up with West Virginia uh, it, I'm sorry Pittsburgh opens up with West Virginia and Tennessee as the well the backyard right? brawl King it's brawl, it's back right. the backyard brawl back, is I back. know. I am so pumped. I'll tell you what, King. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I took. I went. I went back and forth with some West Virginia people when I posted my preliminary um, realistic expectations. I was much lower on West Virginia than the West Virginia fans thought I should be. Kind of, you know, took some heat from them. Whatever. I mentioned USC really being a riser in my updated numbers. USC is the number two riser. West Virginia is number one. So I will. I will give credit to some of the West Virginia fans who told me, "Hey, Kelly." You're a bit low on West Virginia. All right, let me go back. Let me take a look. Let me see what's going on. West Virginia is the greatest riser so far from my preliminary numbers in June to where I'm at right now. Again, 95%, 98% of the way there with my final numbers, which are going to come out here within the next two weeks. Um, I'm shooting for less than that. Uh, but I still, even with the updated numbers, I got West Virginia at 5.4 expected wins this year, King. 5.4. And I know we're not in the Big 12 segment, but that is West Virginia, Vegas over under 5.5. West Virginia fans talking they're going to win eight games. In order for that to happen, why, why, why am I talking about it now? In order for that to happen, they've got to beat Pitt in that first game in the backyard brawl. So, uh, yeah, man, like I'm so excited. It's one of the best rivalries in college football. 2007, when number two ranked West Virginia uh, play, took on Pitt and Pitt knocked them off, took them out of the BCS championship game. Like that's peak college football for me. I'm so yes, I'm so excited. Definitely. So excited. We got this backyard brawl coming back. But anyway, you're talking Pat White, Steve. Slayton. Oh my gosh, yeah, was, Pat that was an White, incredible game, Steve Yeah, yeah, they shut down that offense oh. with how good they were. It was were. like 13 yeah, to nine. That. Like oh my gosh, they, yeah. they just totally just shattered the hearts and dreams of everybody in West Virginia, all the Cinderella stories. It, it was just, it was incredible. I can't wait. I hope it's a great game here, but you're talking pit. Keep going. Yeah, no. So I, I, I fumbled all over myself there. So the point that I was trying to make is, is I like NC state's non-conference better than Pittsburgh, right? I mean, they do have to play at Clemson. 
But like I said, they're bringing back 10 starters, 10 on a defense that was a top three unit in the ACC last year. Drake Thomas is an absolute monster at linebacker. Fifth in tackles for a loss in the ACC last year. He's a potential All-American. I think Leary takes that step, right? Everybody saw potential from him last year. He had some low moments when he was out there. But I think this it, it, this is the team. This is the opportunity for NC State. Um, you know, I think they're the logical choice here to challenge Clemson. So that's really going down. I think it's like a week eight, week nine matchup at Clemson. We'll see where both these are at. But I'm, I'm anticipating NC State coming in undefeated, maybe one loss at that point. Yeah, King. So for me, this is a tough one, like I said. So because Clemson's the favorite. And then after that, I've got Miami, NC State, and Pittsburgh all kind of in that next bunch. And that's how Vegas sees it too. Miami's plus 450, NC State plus 800, Pittsburgh plus 1,000. So those are number two, three, four in Vegas too. So for me, I guess where I'm going with this, you can call it a sleeper or not. Because I mean, like you said, you could argue is NC State really a sleeper or not. I'm going to go Pitt. And like, is Pitt is Pitt a sleeper? I, I, they won the ACC last year, so I think but, so. I think like, so. By Vegas numbers, with that Ross, by Vegas numbers, they're the, yeah. they're the number four favorite. So, like to me, I'm gonna go Pitt as the sleeper because I think they're a team. I actually have them as the favorite king in the coastal. Like I have them, I have Miami as a better team, very very slight. Miami right now, in my updated numbers, Miami's sitting there in a, at number thirteen. Pittsburgh's at number seventeen, so they're very very close. But because of how the schedule sets up, I've actually got Pittsburgh with 5.8 projected conference wins, and they're in the Coastal. Miami's got 5.5 for second best in the Coastal. So obviously it's a massive game when those two get together, uh, which is going to be the final game of the regular season. Like the, the Coastal might be on the line when Pittsburgh travels to Miami. That is a, a quite a distinct possibility. But I'm going to go Pitt as my sleeper. They're the defending ACC champs, which does not necessarily matter in terms of my analysis, but it's just context for this. Defending ACC champs, Kenny Pickett's gone. The offense is going to look very different, I think, if based on what Pat Narduzzi was saying a couple weeks ago now, which, King, by the way, I don't know if you saw that, but it seemed like some super unnecessary comments from Narduzzi talking about the previous offensive coordinator, his style, the way they ran the offense. Sounds a little well, saltiness coming from and, Narduzzi is what I, I, I got from And, like, that. I, don't, I don't really get it, King. Like, I, hey, guys, Pat, you won the ACC championship last year. Kenny Pickett was a Heisman finalist, like someone who was getting some love. Like the offense was humming. I, I don't really under. He was going to get some jobs, yeah. and Nebraska's a good job to go. Nebraska's why not? Yeah, like you know? I don't really understand where that came from, why that came from, other other than maybe sour grapes, like you said. But like Pitt was a very well-rounded team last year. I expect him to be back this year. Keaton Slovis. I'm not saying he's going to produce what Kenny Pickett produced because I think the offense is going to look different. Like they're going to run the ball more. Narduzzi has said as much. So I'm not saying that he's going to put up Pickett numbers, but I think Keaton Slovis is, is a decent replacement for uh, Pickett in that offense. So I'm going to go Pitt as my sleeper here. Again, I've got him as the favorite in the Coastal, but Vegas has him as the number four favorite to win the, win the ACC number two in the Coastal behind Miami. So that's where I'm going. So there's our first disagreement, King. You going over eight and a, are you going over, over eight and a half wins? For I'm projecting, this year? I'm projecting nine sure? wins for Pittsburgh this year. So, yes, I guess okay. I would be going over if eight and a half is the number. Yeah, so uh, nine wins for Pitt, uh, 10.4 for Clemson, 8.8 for Miami, 8.6 for NC State, and eight for Wake Forest. Neither one of us mentioned Wake Forest there, King. Wake Forest all the way down at plus 2,000 uh, to, to win yeah. the ACC. Um, again, they were in that conference championship game last year. I think they're going to be a solid team. I got around right around the top 30, top 35 in my numbers right now, but I've got them at defense is going to be an issue again. Yeah, 100%. I've got them number five in the ACC, number three in the Atlantic. So I don't think Wake Forest is going to be that team that's challenging uh, Clemson for the ACC Atlantic title or uh, having a chance really to win the, the ACC championship. So Kinger, we've talked about a lot of teams here. Who do you hate this year in the ACC? 
Yeah, we're gonna just. I'm I'm bringing the case out. I hate Pittsburgh. Oh this year. no, they're not gonna have. They're they're not gonna. That's what I told you. I was debating back and forth between NC State and Pittsburgh, but I'm telling myself that we're not getting freshman year Keaton Slovis when he threw 30 touchdown passes for USC. Right? I have talked myself into regardless. Pittsburgh offensive line is going to be one of the best in the ACC. And Narduzzi said, like like you mentioned, they're going to run the ball a lot more. And I think that's going to be key for Pittsburgh to have success. But like I said, they're hosting West Virginia and Tennessee to start the year. I think they're going to beat West Virginia. Tennessee is going to be tough. I, I, I'm i big in Tennessee in, in the SEC this year. We'll talk about them at some point. But there's a chance Pitt starts 1-1, and 0-2, right? There's a chance. I mean, there's a chance for all this, right? You already mentioned at Miami at the end of the year. I'm a little worried about those linebacker in that secondary unit from Pittsburgh. They got torched a bit last year. Um, I love Kalijah Clancy, Clancy, their D-end. Um, he's, again, going to be a potential All-American. Uh, but with this schedule, I, I think it's tough to replace the production, 100-plus catches from Addison, um, you know, 1,400, 1,500 yards, Blitnikoff winner, whatever he had last year. Uh, I, I just don't – I just can't see them repeating it. Um, and I'm just going – Keaton Slovis is going to stink this year. He's not going to be what Pittsburgh hoped he was. They're going to be the most overrated team in the ACC this year. Okay. I like it, King. Bring in the fire. Bring in the heat. I disagree with the with the take, but, hey, man, it's the first time we disagree. We need to disagree a little bit. Uh, and I, I, I will also say I think that the path you just outlined is a reasonable – outcome like I wouldn't be overly shocked if what you just said becomes a reality I don't think it's going to happen but it's not it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world to me to see that happen King Owen two is a little bit of a pipe dream one and one is very realistic yeah so and let, let me see here so I've got I've got a 77% win probability in uh in week in week one and then I've got a 43% win probability in week two. So if we multiply those two losing probabilities together, I've got about a 10% chance that West Virginia, or excuse me, that Pitt starts 0-2. So a 1 out of 10 chance. I mean, in the world of probabilities, that's not good, but it's also, that, that's not like shocking. So um, you've got a double-digit chance that that could happen. And I'm saying this is a team that I expect to win the Coastal Division. Now, neither one of those games are uh, conference games, so that wouldn't matter for that. But if you start 0-2, I'm not liking your, your odds of, of re, re, uh, re-galvanizing those troops and getting them going again to get ready for that conference play. So, um, okay. Anyway, King, I, I'm going to go... I'm going to go a little off the radar here and like I feel bad about it because I don't like I have nothing against this team like so I'm not doing a very good job of hating them but to me okay we're looking at Clemson's the number one Clemson's the number one team I think I think I know where you're going for this I want to see if I'm right so Clemson's the number one team Miami's number two in odds NC State three Pittsburgh four like those are my top four teams and they're in that order so it's really hard for me to say like I hate a team I, I'm not going to say Miami because I have them as the second best team in the entire conference. The amount of love that they're getting to win the ACC, I think is a little premature. We talked about it at USC. I think it's a little premature at Miami, not to the same degree that it's premature at, at USC. It's a little premature there. Like, King, I, I'm going way off the radar here. I don't know if you, you – I'm going to say Virginia. Is that who you thought I was going to say? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Florida State. But um, so Virginia, I can see that too because so, they're just they're in a team that from the outside everybody likes because they're offense. So here's right so, right? so here you go though because that's a good that's a good um, example there with Florida State. So so tied for sixth in the odds at plus two thousand to win the ACC is Florida State, Louisville, Virginia, and Wake Forest. So if I look at those four teams in my numbers, I've got Florida State looking like the seventh best team in the conference. Wake Forest number five, Louisville number eight. And then I got Virginia at number 10. So, like, 
I'm um, looking at all those teams that are kind of stacked up right there with kind of middle of the pack odds. Virginia is the worst of those, which is how I got to where I am with Virginia. So again, like I, this is a week I hate your team because like Virginia is not expected to do a whole lot this year, but to have the six best odds to win the conference, which I know you're, you're throwing darts at that point, right? Like you're pretty far down. You're, 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 you're hoping something sticks. And if it pays off, you're going to pay for all the rest of your bets that you did throughout the, in the preseason as well. So I, I say this kind of tentatively, but Virginia is the team that, for me, that I hate. So, like I said, they're tied for six best odds. I've got them as the 10th best team in the ACC. They're number 57 right now in my uh, not-yet-final uh, power ratings. So, they're like very middle of the power or of the FBS, the below-average power five. So, to say they have the six best odds, tied for the six best odds, it just seems off to me. I've got their uh, expected wins at 6.6, conference wins at 3.5, which is good enough for fourth in the Coastal. So, I've got Pittsburgh, Miami, North Carolina all projected to finish ahead of Virginia in the Coastal. So when you're the fourth pick in your own division and you're the tied for sixth pick to win the conference, like to me that doesn't really add up. So I'm sorry, Virginia. I love Matthew Edwards, uh, who, who used to be the, the director of analytics over there for the football program. He's since moved on. But like he's a great Twitter follow, the Coach Edwards. But I hate Virginia, man. Like I, I don't like it. Uh, Brennan, sure. Like, sure, that's why. I, just, I hate Virginia, and uh, that's what we're going to roll with in the spirit of hating teams. I don't hate them as much as USC, but I hate Virginia for the purposes of this segment. So there you go, King. To recap that, we're both on Clemson to uh, win the ACC. You've got NC State as your dark horse. I've got Pitt. I think we could both argue neither one of those are really dark horses, but that's what we're going to go with from the odds perspective. And then you hate Pitt. I hate Virginia. Uh, that wraps up our ACC. So, King, we went West Coast. We went East Coast. Let's bring it back to the middle of the country, and let's take a look at the Big 12. I can start on this one because I've already I've already gone in on my West Virginia beef. So, like, I, I'm not going to rehash that right now. They're, You're picking to win the conference. The, <laughs> just get all the West Virginia fans fired right? up. Right? <laughs> yeah, no. So, I, I was on uh, the 10-12 podcast uh, earlier this week as well, King, with our guy Phillip, who is, who is uh, going to be joining us at some point this season as well. We'll roll out our guest lineup uh, as we get going into the season. But I talked all things Big 12 with him. We talked about the start of the season, who do we like, who's a dark horse, all those things. So I'm going to rehash some of that here for our audience tonight. King, the Big 12, like I just got to set the stage. This is, like it's a crapshoot kind of for me. And we saw it just last year. Baylor was picked number eight by the media or by the coaches. I can't remember which one. They were eighth in the preseason in terms of the pecking order of the 10 Big 12 teams. Not only did they go play for the conference championship, they won the conference championship last year, King. Now, you're talking about victory laps. This isn't a super big victory lap, but, you know, I'll, I'll put it out there. I had Baylor 7th in the preseason, so it's kind of a weak one, I know, but it was slightly better than what the, the national perception was of Baylor. Again, I didn't think they were going to go play in the Big 12 championship or win the Big 12 as they did, but either way, my point in saying all of this is this league is open, and we thought it was open last year. King, it, it is wide open this year. Like, Oklahoma has had so much change within that program, the coaching staff, the players, everything. I mean, as recently as we're recording this on, on a Monday night, King, as recently as Sunday night of this week with the changes to the coaching staff that they had, the resignation of a coach. I mean, this is – there's so much – going on at Oklahoma, it's really hard to get a good, it, it's, it's hard to get a good gauge on that team. There's so much going on at Texas with what's new and Quinn Ewers, is he going to be the five-star prospect that many are expecting and hoping, if you're a Texas fan, he's going to be, or is he not? Because without knowing the answer to that question, it's really hard for me to pinpoint what do I think about Texas. Baylor, they're the defending Big 12 champions. I'm not super sold on Baylor this year. We'll maybe get more into them in a minute. Like, King, there are so many teams that have a chance here. So, Kelly, you've rambled long enough. Who is your favorite to win the Big 12? 
I'm sticking with my numbers. They've carried me this far. They're probably going to make me look stupid because of so much just going on. My numbers don't account for the intangibles. And it seems like every single Big 12 team, King, has so many intangibles that we need to be trying to incorporate. My numbers do not do that. My model does not do that. I'm taking Oklahoma. I'm taking Oklahoma as a favorite in the Big 12. My numbers have them as the number eight team in the country right now. They are stacked up right next to Texas and Oklahoma State. Both of those are top uh, 12 teams in my numbers right now. But I'm going with Oklahoma. I'm projecting 9.1 wins for them this year, 6.5 in the conference. I've got Oklahoma as the favorite in every single game that they play this year with the closest game on their schedule being the Red River Shootout. Yes, it is the Red River Shootout. It is not the Red River Rivalry. It's not the Red River whatever else you want to call it. It is the Red River Shootout. I have Oklahoma as the favorite in that game by exactly one point, a 53% win probability for the Sooners. So give me Oklahoma, and I say that kind of gritting my teeth, because would I be surprised if they miss out on the conference championship game? No, but I have no idea which team is going to rise to the top in the Big 12. So I'm taking Oklahoma King, who you like. You know, you can use the excuse. You follow your numbers, right? That's your model. That's what's gotten (laughs) you to this point. I'm just going to be just be dumb, and I'm taking Oklahoma. Love I want to take Texas, right? We've heard for 10 years from all Texas fans that Texas is going to be back. Texas. Well, Texas could be back this year. And I'm telling you, I was very close to taking them, and I think they are going to give Oklahoma a run for the money, along with one other team, which we will get to in a little bit. But I think Oklahoma's schedule is significantly easier. Um, you can just chalk up that week to L right now for Texas when they host Bama. They have to go to Texas Tech, Kansas State, Oklahoma State this year. Um, OU has a road slate of TCU, Iowa State, West Virginia, right? Oh, Texas Tech as well. But I, I take that. Um, I think Venables is going to help get that OU defense to the next level where they want it to be. Um, uh, from my initial observations, I think that D-line from Oklahoma is going to be a problem this year. They lost their top three guys to the NFL. Um, they're relying on transfers, a lack of depth. Um, linebacker unit is going to be their best, right? Venables, former linebacker, I think he's going to be able to work with that. Um, and same thing with the secondary. So the defense – uh, I think he's going to be able to hold his own this year. Um, Dylan Gabriel comes in. He put up some pretty big numbers at UCF. I think he's a pretty good fit to, you know, go into that Big 12 defense. You know, UCF's going to be in the Big 12 here in a couple of years. So um, although I think it might take Brent a little bit to kind of s- steady the ship over there, uh, I just still think they've got enough talent there and top to bottom are going to be able to do enough with their schedule to win the Big 12 this year. I agree with you. Like I, like we talked about, uh, we also Oklahoma also has to go to Nebraska King. I know it's not a conference game, but but that 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 that, it, that is it's week it's a week three game. It's Nebraska's fourth game of the year though because they're playing that week zero game. So yeah, that, that's that, right. I mean that I got my numbers got Oklahoma favored by six mm-hmm. in that game. So Keegan Renault, who's who's a great follow on Twitter, uh, if you're a Oklahoma fan, a fan of the Big Twelve, or um, just a fan of, of college football and stats and analytics, Keegan's great. He put out something that. I absolutely agree with. It was something along the lines of Oklahoma is still going to be the favorite in all these games this year. They're still a favorite in the Big 12, but the margin by which they are the favorite, the spread in all these games, is projected to be much smaller here in 2022 than it was in 2021 or in years past. So uh, that's absolutely true. So as I, if I'm looking at my numbers, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six games this year at Nebraska, at TCU, neutral to Texas, at Iowa State, home to Baylor, and home to Oklahoma State. Half of Oklahoma's games this year, I am projecting to be 
within a, a projected spread of a touchdown or less. Again, Oklahoma is the favorite in all of them, but when you're projecting in all these close games, you're bound to lose some, right? This isn't Oklahoma being favored by 10, 14, 17 points in every single game they play like we've kind of seen maybe in years past. So I think we're, we're both taking Oklahoma. We're both acknowledging it's not a slam dunk. So King, takes me to the team I hate, and I hate that I have to hate this. Like, I, I, I hate that I have to hate this. But the team that I am going that I hate this year, King, because I think they are getting too much love and it's undeserved based on the quality of the team that I think is coming back. But again, I said earlier, I'm not, my numbers can't account for the intangibles. And this team, this program is oozing with positive intangibles, King, which is why I hate to hate them. I built it up enough. It's Baylor. I hate Baylor. I right, hate yep. Baylor this year. You hinted at it. You hinted I at hate it. Baylor yeah. this year. That so my numbers. I have them as a top twenty team. Like that's good. Oh my gosh! If you're a top twenty team, that's that's really good. But they are the third favorite in Vegas to win the Big Twelve uh, at plus five hundred. So Oklahoma plus two hundred, Texas plus two fifty, Baylor plus five hundred, Oklahoma State plus seven hundred. Then there's a drop off uh, after that. I do think those are the four best teams in the Big Twelve. I think that the order in which those teams are listed should be flipped with three and four. I've got Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, and then Baylor. Baylor's getting a lot of love. They won the conference last year. I love Dave Aranda. I love everything about Dave Aranda. I think what he's building, what he's built already, and what he's continuing to build on is great. I have no doubt that Baylor is going to be in the new look Big 12, as long as Aranda is there, a force to be reckoned with on an annual basis. However, for this year, Oklahoma and Texas are both still in the Big 12, both of them are projecting to be better teams. Both of them are getting love uh, in Vegas by the Ozmakers, rightfully so, uh, at least in my opinion right now with my numbers. But Baylor's that next team, and to me, Baylor's not there. So I've got Oklahoma State above them, like I said, but I've got Baylor nearly a full conference game projected less than Texas at that number two spot. I've got Oklahoma projected to win 6.5 conference games, Texas 6.3, Oklahoma State 5.8, Baylor down at 5.4. And then again, there is a drop-off after that. So those are the four teams that I expect to have winning records in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Iowa State maybe four and a half there. They could go either way, four or five. But Baylor's my team. And again, it's nothing against Baylor. I hate that I have to hate them. I hate I have to hate Baylor more than I hate I have to hate Virginia. How's that for you? I hate what USC the most, then Virginia, then Baylor. Like, I hate that I have to do it. But King, they're getting too much love. They're getting it. too much love. It's not... I'm just going to say it. I don't think they're going to repeat... As the Big 12 champions. Would I be shocked if they made the, the conference championship game? No. I have them as the fourth best team in the conference. Would I be just blown away if they somehow find a way to win the conference championship game? No. They just won it last year. And they had a much worse team coming into last year, at least by my numbers, than they do this year. So I'm not saying they can't do it. But to be the third favorite and to be kind of that step below the top three teams, Baylor's my team, King. So I, I don't know. What, what, who are you thinking there? Who do you hate? It's got to be one of those teams, uh, well, right? I, I'm, I'm just going to... Yeah, for sure. And I'm not going to disagree with you, to be honest. Baylor's on that list. That offensive line is going to be spectacular this year, but I'm still not fully sold on Chapman. And the weapons that they lost, the defense will take a step back this year. Um, I want them to do well as well. I also like Dave Aranda, but uh, I'm in agreement with you. But I'm actually going to take the team that you said should be in third. I'm going to flip it. I hate Oklahoma State. Okay. Um, I The production they lost, right? You know, let's just start and talk about how great that defense was last year. Because when Oklahoma State, that four or five, six-week stretch they had, I mean, it was season long, but they had four or five games in a row where it was elite 
complete shutdown. King, defense. the number three defense in the entire country last year by my numbers, country. behind only Georgia and Wisconsin. Oklahoma State was so good on defense. Coach Knowles made the trip up to Columbus, King. Exactly. I'm not. Uh, I'm not mad about no, you that. You got to be excited about that. That's what I'm not like, mad about that. Fan. Yeah, we'll get more into the Big Ten the later. Arc, the architect of that Oklahoma State defense is gone now. Derek Mason filling in. You know, and he's a guy with a good defensive mind. I, I, I you know, I think he is a very suitable fill-in for that Mike Gundy staff. And I don't think that Oklahoma State's going to take a complete nosedive. But I mean, just look about this, right? This team's are only returning eleven starters. Only four on that defense that was so good last year. They've got five Big 12 row games on the on the uh, road this year. If you look at the offense, they lost their 1,000-yard running back, Jalen Warren, or 1,000-yard wide receiver, Tay Martin. They've got a bunch of unproven guys out there that I step up and make plays, right? And, and it's just going to come down to this. I'm not a believer in Spencer Sanders. And I said on the podcast mm-hmm. multiple yep. times last year that I didn't believe it. Now, he made me look stupid in a couple games, and he went off because good Spencer Sanders is a good top – third percent 30 percent tier quarterback in, in the ncaa when he plays well the problem is he's not consistent he only completes just over 60 percent of his passes he led the big 12 tied for the big 12 in interceptions this year you know five road games replacing i like mike gundy the offense is always good but uh there's no way oklahoma state repeats that same success this year i i, I don't see it uh i have them finishing prob- I, I would actually probably put them fifth in in the big 12 for me right now wait a minute then so okay so i know you got oklahoma texas and baylor ahead of them who else you got ahead of them Kansas State. Man. It was my sleep. Kansas, t- Kansas State. Okay, wait. Well, we just got into it then, right? Yeah. So, uh, wait. We, I, went out of, Kansas- I went out of order. I went to a team I hate before the sleeper team. It's all good. Well, you wanted to roll. I, you started going. You got your mind going. You mentioned Baylor. I knew you had to go for it, so that's oh, fine. We'll go sleep. goodness, King. I went, I went out of you- order. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even realize it. That's how into it I am right now. Yes, King, please. Take your sleeper team, uh, since I have messed this up really. See, this is why I don't go first, King. This is why you should go first and I should go second. No. Roll, roll with, I didn't catch roll, it, bro. Roll with your sleeper team since we now we know who it is. Okay, so, and you know, I got a buddy out there who is a diehard Kansas State fan, right? And he's been in my ear for, for months about this. And I got to say, it's, you know, got me on this a few months ago that you really got to take a look at the, in the Big 12, Kansas State in the Big 12 this year. And... When, like we talked about, the instability in a lot of these programs and uncertainty with a lot of these programs, I think brings to light one thing that Kansas State has going for them right now, which is is some stability, right? This is probably going to be Kleiman's best team that he has. He's done better on the recruiting trail. You bring in Adrian Martinez. You know, Skylar Thompson was a very average quarterback. You know, Kansas State fans loved him, but let's just face it, he was very average. I think Adrian Martinez, that combo combination with Deuce Vaughn, what they can run, in the read option, the dual threat that he now brings um, with a pretty good wide receiver core, I think this Kansas State offense has the potential to be good. The offensive line is a little bit of concern. They've got an all-Big 12 guy, Cooper Beebe, at left tackle. The rest of the guys, we'll have to wait and see. That, that They're going to rely on the run game this year. You know, We obviously know Adrian Martinez can sling it, but them being able to dominate that line of scrimmage is going to be big for him. But the big thing and the reason why I like Kansas State is, is because of that defense this year. Um they're going to be one of the best in the Big 12. They were top five against the run and pass last year. Um, they're bringing back their leading tackler, All-Americans, Felix Nudike, defensive man. He's going to be a first or second rounder last year. Julius Brents is going to be a first-team All-Big 12 guy, more than likely in the secondary. The schedule sets up well for them. They're going to be 3-0 and in non-conference. They've got, uh, they've got uh, South Dakota, Missouri, and some other lower group of, group of five team. They should be 3-0. Um, you know, 
it's it's going to be – I think the schedule sets up favorable for Kansas State. I think they win eight games this year. They're over, over under seven right now. I think at the minimum they win eight games this year. Yeah, I think you're right, King. I think I'm, I'm seeing them as tied for seventh with West Virginia at plus 1,800. I mentioned I was on the 10-12 podcast with Philip here earlier this week. He ran a poll on Twitter, which I responded to, and so many people said Kansas State was their sleeper pick in the Big 12. He goes, I'm declaring Kansas State no longer a sleeper pick. Like, too many people are saying they're the sleeper pick. I'm not saying that you can't. He's saying too many people are saying that they are, that by definition they are no longer a sleeper pick. I would argue, King, with what you just said, they're tied for seventh best odds to win the conference. Like, that's Baylor last year was eighth, and they went on and won it, and everyone, like, said, oh my gosh, what a crazy story. And it was, right? When you come from that low, well, that's right where Kansas State is, too. They're tied for seventh, so they're either seventh or eighth um, with, with West Virginia, like I said. Which, by the way, back to teams I hate, after I went on that whole thing in the uh, ACC segment about West Virginia, I feel like I've just said it so many times, I forgot I was supposed to say it here. I'll give you two teams I hate in the Big 12, King. I hate West Virginia, too, for the reasons I've already outlined. So there you go, Baylor and West Virginia. I said, we're embracing the hate this year. I, I am hating West Virginia. Uh, I've had a good back and forth with those fans. You know what? I wish them all the best. Like, I, I hope they have a great season. I hope everyone's team out there has a great season, unless you're playing my team, and then I hope you don't. But other than that, I hope you have a great season. Go enjoy college football for what it is. Have a great regular season. That's what it's all about. My numbers just don't think you're going to. So that's what it is. I hate West Virginia, too. But bringing it back to the sleeper team, King, because I'm inclined to be with you on that as Kansas State. Like we said, they're the tie for the seventh best um, odds to win the Big 12. I've got them as the sixth best team in the Big 12, but they're essentially tied for fifth. I mean, I've got them in Iowa State literally neck and neck. I mean, they're right next to each other in the power ratings. They're right next to each other in the expected wins this year, both at 6.8. So I know you said Kansas State's expected or uh, over under a seven. You like them to go over that. I would actually shade under King, even though I do think Kansas State uh, would qualify as a sleeper team here, uh, but it's very, very close. I'm going to go with that other team I just said, though, and that's Iowa State. So and here, here's why. Vegas has them as tied for fifth best odds, plus 1,400, behind the big four of Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Uh, and I say big four because those are the, the four teams that everyone seems to think two of those four will be in the, in the conference championship game. Iowa State, though, they're the tied for fifth best with TCU, plus 1,400. They're not getting – so here's what, here's what I learned when I posted something on, on Twitter recently about who's been the best Big 12 team over the last four years. Iowa – of the future Big 12 members. So Oklahoma and Texas are not in this analysis – BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF are included in this analysis. So looking at the future 12 members of the Big 12, as it is outlined right now, with our current understanding of what the conference membership realignment is going to look like, Iowa State came out on top. And everyone said, oh my gosh, Iowa State's only up there because of the 2020 season. Take out the COVID year. Take out the COVID year. That's why they're there. Okay, King. Is this where my buddy started chirping? Yeah, it was, actually. This it, is right. it was. Yeah, this, but, King, yeah, this, this tweet, yeah. I, I have no idea why. It's like my second most engaged with tweet ever since I joined Twitter. And, and, and I have more followers now than I've had in the past, right? So that makes sense. But this tweet just, like, blew up, dude. There was, there was like, 200-plus likes on it. Like, to me, that's a lot. I know there's people listening who are like, dude, I get 200 tweets on when I write a sentence. Okay, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not there. But 200-plus likes on this, it was, like, yeah. I mean, it was, like, 60-something retweets. Like, people, not all of them good, but they were get, it, was get, it was getting pushed. Like, the impressions were there. And I was kind of taken aback by it. I didn't expect to see that kind of reaction to this. But there were a lot of people, a lot of Iowa State fans who, who said, I don't even care what this is. I don't understand it. But this guy's right. They absolutely, they love it. Like, they're just blindly liking it because they like Iowa State. Okay, that's fine. There are also, though, the people out there on the other side who blindly hate it just because I'm saying Iowa State has been good recently. And that just doesn't compute in their heads because we're all programmed to think Iowa State bad at football. Because for the large portion of their history... They have been. 
bad at football. What I thought was interesting, though, King, is that so many Kansas State fans, and because Farmageddon and all that, like, I didn't understand the magnitude of this rivalry between Kansas State and Iowa State. King, are all these Kansas State fans hopped on it, said, this is ridiculous, throw out the COVID year, so bad. King, what I wanted to say and what I didn't say, what I wanted to is, hey, guys, if we pull out each program's best 10 years, let's call it, so let's pull out basically Bill Snyder, you guys, Kansas State Wildcats, are the worst Power 5 football program in the history of college football. That includes Iowa State. That includes Kansas. That includes Vanderbilt Kinger, who way, way back when, like I'm talking like 1910s, 1920s, they were a good program. All these Power 5 programs, today's Power 5, that you think are really bad and have always been bad, Kansas State has been worse, and it's not really that close if you pull out the Bill Snyder stuff. Well, that's why I think they take it so personally, Kelly, is because, you know, a lot of them are trying to do whatever they can to forget those days. And they, I was honestly, was a dumper bowl for many years, right? Yeah. Farmageddon, who is the worst team in the Big right. 12, Kansas State or Iowa State. And they don't like to be compared to that, but you spit some truth at them, right? The last 10 years, Iowa State has been and, a very respectable and, football And, and my numbers, to, to be clear with what I was putting out there, my numbers were from, it was the most four recent years. It was 2018 to 2021. Then I, Which, is it going to be, they're going to boast them, boost them up even right. more. Right, so then, and then I took out the COVID year, and they were still the top team up there. But where am I going with all this? Iowa State's going to be my sleeper pick here, just because I feel like, Again, I think they're right where they need to be. I've got them as the number five team in the Big 12. I've got them with the five most projected conference wins at 4.5. They are tied for fifth in the Vegas odds. Like This team is exactly where they need to be, but I'm going to call them my sleeper team because so many people out there, and maybe it's recency bias, just hearing from all the Kansas State fans or whatever recently, but so many people are just saying 2020 was a fluke. 2021 was supposed to be their best team ever. Then they only won eight games. They didn't even play for the conference championship. Like All these things, and I'm like, Okay, all of those things can be true, but it doesn't change the fact that what Matt Campbell has built and is still continuing to build and cultivate in Ames is something that should be applauded. I'm not an Iowa State fan. I'm not even a fan of any team in the Big 12. But just as an outsider, as a neutral, objective observer of college football, which you and I both are, King, you have to respect what Iowa State's done. So I'm going to call them a sleeper this year, just because, more so because everyone's just discounting them than anything. I don't think they're going to go play for the Big 12 championship. I don't think they're going to win the Big 12 championship. But to me, Iowa State's a sleeper team because everybody seems to think, hey, all those great players, all those people you had back for a fifth year of uh, the COVID fifth year, they're all gone now, and you're starting over. And you don't, I'm kind they of, don't recruit. I'm and kind of include. I'm included in that group. I think Iowa State's going to be a bottom third team in the Big 12 this year. So there we go. There's another disagreement right there. And we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Because they are asleep. By your definition there, they are 100% asleep. And, and I will say, too, because when you say bottom third, it's like the bottom three or four teams in a 10-team league. Yeah, yeah, like, I, yeah. to, to me – I always think – I was – Think twelve. I was yeah. never well because they're you know I don't know why my brain's because they're called the Big Twelve King right like it only makes too much sense to have twelve teams just like the Big Ten has fourteen for now going to be sixteen soon anyway again we're getting we're getting into the realignment talk which is depressing I know for for us Um, I'm sure we'll do an episode on that in the future but um, so so to be bottom three I don't I don't see Iowa State falling that low because I do think Kansas Texas Tech and West Virginia again sorry West Virginia fans I mean not not really but sorry I guess. I've got those three as kind of the clear-cut bottom three. Kansas is the bottom. like that, Kansas is 10. And then i got West Virginia and Texas Tech kind of in there at 8-9. So I don't think Iowa State falls lower than, than 7. But, I mean, to your point, I could see really – the Big 12 to me is in tiers. you got Oklahoma, Te- Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State kind of in that tier 1. Baylor's in tier 1B. And then your second tier is Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU. 
then West Virginia, Texas Tech are in a tier, and then Kansas. So you could finish anywhere within that tier, and I wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, the Big 12 is wide open. We're probably going to see uh, some surprises in there. I would not uh, I would not be surprised by the surprises we see. That's a silly thing to say, I know. So anyway, King, all right, we're both on Oklahoma as the team to win it. Since I went out of order, um, I hate Baylor. You hate Oklahoma State. Your sleeper team is Kansas State. My sleeper team is Iowa State. So we got a good flavor in there, good mix-up. Uh, King. We've got three Power 5 conferences down. We've got two more to go, and then we're going to end this episode because we're going, uh, and it's, we're, we're jiving. It's fun. I love it. But we're just going to do Power 5 uh, for this app. So hang in there with us, everybody. we got two more, and it's the big two. It's the SEC, and it's the Big Ten. And since you're listening to uh, two guys who went to a Big Ten school and root for Big Ten teams, we're going to make you guys wait to hear our Big Ten thoughts till the end. So, King, let's bring it back to the East Coast. Let's go down to the South. Let's go to the Southeastern Conference, the kings of college football, undisputed for the last, geez, two decades now, it feels like, with a with a pop-up here or there from someone outside. But SEC has reigned. King, are they going to reign again? Who's your favorite in the SEC? Yeah, they're going to rain again. and You hate saying that. You hate saying that more than anything, don't you? Yeah, oh, I know. And that's what I'm saying. New season, new vibes. Yeah, I've got some issues with the SEC. <laughs> and I've got some issues with the Alabama freaking Crimson Tide. Oh. They're so damn yes, good sir. every year. And I'm going to pick them to win. I'm going to bet them to win over 11 and a half games this year. I'm going to bet them to go undefeated. And I have them – Definitely preliminarily in the national championship right now. There's no doubt about my mind they will be in the playoffs. So King, you are taking Alabama over eleven and a half. That's the headline I heard. That's the I headline took, I heard there from you. Uh, yeah, I took under eleven and a half last year, and it was a good bet that worked out last year. I think the over, right? I hate that Saban can say this. His comments the other day, and I love Nick. I honestly do like and respect Nick Saban Dude, a lot. Yes, like you. Yes, you know, like there's there is no animosity there's no sort of disrespect i just can't stay in alabama and again that's because i got a crew of some of my closer friends closest friends who are alabama guys and they don't deserve what they got let's just say that they don't deserve what they got but this bama team is absolutely loaded bringing back all americans all over the place bryce young coming off the heisman trophy winning ryan anderson on defense side edge. Will, will anderson will uh, anderson will anderson sorry yep thanks for correcting me there will anderson i mean you just can't really script again what bam is going to have on the defensive side of the ball um you know the offensive line was one of the worst under Saban last year there's no way that that's gonna that's gonna be the case again this year they're bringing back some more depth three starters returning i expect them to take a jump um you know they lost their top two running backs and wide receivers but again jameer gibbs former georgia tech running back he was the number one running back in the transfer portal this year uh they've got four and five star recruits just waiting in in the in the chamber right it, it's bama it's a factory uh they're going to be double digit favorites at home i respect them they're actually going to texas this year they're putting an actual non-conference game a true road non-conference How about game. that again that's what i'm saying again i hate to say it but i'll give bama the credit where it's due uh you know eli ricks is a huge transfer out of lsu former five-star uh he's going to do wonders for a secondary that struggled at times last year i still think kool-aid mckinstry who got destroyed there in the second half of that Georgia National Championship game, he makes a good step. It, it, it is what it is. It's Bama. They're going 12-0 and this year. We'll see what happens in the playoff, but I think they roll through the SEC, specifically the SEC West. So, King, I want to comment on so many things that you said there, but the one I have to come back to again is you're taking the over on 11 and a half. 
And I'm okay. So let me let me preface this. Statistics tell you not. So, to. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm going. You already knew. The statistics tell you not. You are. You, you, you again, already that's know. That's not how we that, roll. I'm not a statistics <laughs> guy. Yeah. So to, to let, let me start kind of in the middle then there with what you were saying. To your point, yes, I have Alabama as the number one team in my power ratings. They are going to be incredibly strong, basically across the board. Line that up versus their schedule, which, King, they play in the SEC West. That is the toughest division in football. Uh, the Big Ten East can give them a run for their money, especially if you're looking at just the top couple teams, but top to bottom, the SEC West is the best division in football. I mean, geez, King, all seven teams in the SEC West right now are currently in the top 26 of my power ratings. King, all, Mississippi State's all oh, yeah, I guess seven yeah. teams are in the top 26. Like, everyone, like think, let that sink in. You basically got an entire division of top 25 caliber teams, and they all have to play each other. There are only so many wins to go around in the SEC West. I'm going to get to why that's important here in a second as we get going. But, King, yes, I've got Alabama as the best team. There is not a single game this year, as it stands right now, that my numbers project Alabama to be less than a two-touchdown favorite in. 14 points at Texas. That is the closest projected game that my numbers have. I've got them at 17 points at Tennessee. I've got them 17 points at Ole Miss. Uh, I guess that's actually 16 and a half uh, at Tennessee. 17 points at Ole Miss. Like Alabama, I expect them to roll. Roll tide, I expect them to roll. But King, put it all together, and my numbers still only spit out 11. Oh, I say only 11.2 regular season wins for Alabama. My numbers expect that somewhere along the line, just like last year it was at Texas A&M, somewhere along the line where we don't expect it, Alabama can, and my numbers suggest will, trip up. I've got them with a 41% chance to go undefeated, an 80% chance to win at least 11 games, a 96% chance to win at least 10. Like This team is going to be successful this year. They're going to win games. But King, it doesn't matter. The numbers will always tell you when an over/unders at eleven point five. Maybe not last. Maybe not last year with Cincinnati. But actually, they had Notre Dame on the schedule, so that probably would have tipped it. If, if Cincinnati last year wouldn't have had Notre Dame on the schedule, just say they put in a, an average Power Five team instead of instead of a really good Notre Dame team, the numbers might actually have suggested Cincinnati. You should take the over because they might have been expected more than eleven and a half, just because of the quality of the schedule they were playing. They were an incredibly quality team. And the quality of the teams they were playing within their conference was not close to matching them. So the expected win probabilities in those games would have been very, very high. So maybe maybe a team like that last year if Notre Dame wasn't there. But I'm not going to be surprised. Like I, just, I just said, there's a 41% chance that they're going to be 12-0. But that means there's a 59% chance that they won't be. So the numbers do slightly lean towards the under there. You've taken the over. I, I have nothing to add. Alabama's the, the team to beat here for me. Um, I will say Georgia is going to be right there too. I've got Georgia as the number three team in the country right now. Also with a, with 11.1 expected wins uh, overall, both Alabama and Georgia, 7.3 expected conference wins. They are very clear-cut favorites. There's a very clear-cut top tier of teams in my numbers this year. There's three of them. It's Alabama, it's Georgia, and it's one team we haven't gotten to yet. Um, those are the teams that I expect to be at the top of this. Now, not all those teams are going to go undefeated. As we saw last year, upsets happen. That's why we love the sport. But yes, Alabama's a team for me. So, King, let's go back to the right. I'm, okay, what, what do you got there? I just wanted to say, this is perfect for me because it's perfect for my brain how it works, right? Last year, I was so set, and I was rooting for Bama to lose a game every time. This year, I don't expect them to lose. So when they do lose, if they lose, okay, yeah, I might lose a little bit of money on the over-under season total. 
but I can be still happy. enjoy the loss. I can still enjoy it. Sounds like, this is a tangential story, but it sounds like I had a, a buddy growing up who his dad was big into sports gambling. And this was like before it was even legal in Indiana. This is before it was available at the touch of, 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 touch of your fingertips on the app and, and on the computer, all those things. But he had a bookie. He went through the whole thing. And he would always, every single week, he's an NFL fan, he's a Colts fan specifically, being here in Indy, um, he would always bet against the Colts. Didn't matter what the, didn't matter what the, who the opponent was, didn't matter what the spread was, he always bet money line against the Colts. Because then, if the Colts won, he was happy, he didn't care, he lost them. He lost the money, he didn't care. But when the, if the Colts lost, he would get money. So there was always a positive that came out of the games, which I thought was interesting. And King, this is back when the Colts had like Peyton Manning, and we were winning 13, 14 games every single regular season. Like the dude, so he was the dude, the money. dude lost a lot of money, but the Colts won a lot of games, so he was actually still happy. So anyway, he had the money to lose. I That's, don't. Hey, it's smart. Everybody tells you as a gambler, and you know this is a gambler. You keep your emotion out of it the much as you as much as you yep. can. But look, it's a revolving door. You're going to get sucked in every once in a while. It, it's just going to happen. Yep. yep. No, totally. So um, I like your approach there. It makes sense to me. You're going to be in a win no matter what every single week on the Alabama outcome. Um, so, King, all right, we've got uh, – let's go back to the, the right order. Who's your, your sleeper team next? Who's your sleeper team in the SEC? Uh, I'm going to take Tennessee. Um, Heupel's proven thus far that he's exactly what Tennessee was looking for, bringing back 15 starters – uh, this year, I think they're going to challenge Georgia in the East. I don't think they're quite on the same tier as Georgia, but they are my team to pick to finish second. Um, like I said, in the East, um, you know, Hennon Hooker, bringing him back, great year last year. The quarterback, their top three running three running backs. I like USC transfer Brew McCoy. I think he's going to come in and bring a different dynamic, or he's to that offense to replace some of the production that they lost the NFL last year. Um, they're going to score in bunches. Um, and I think that defense that was dead last against the pass last year, and quite frankly, just pretty average across the board. Um, they're bringing back nine starters this year, added some transfers. Uh, they're more experienced. They've got, got tough schedule at Pitt, LSU, Georgia, South Carolina. Um, you know, but I think if they can find a way to win three out of four of those games, you can already, again, chalk up the Bama game as a loss, even though they are at home. You said 16, 17 points. I think Tennessee finds a way to scrap and at least keep themselves in the conversation until the last few weeks of the season. I think Tennessee is hard to argue as a sleeper team. I do have them as projected number two in the East right now based on my updated numbers earlier in the – Who's three? Number, th- number three is Kentucky and King – Florida four. Florida's four. And so this has yeah. been a common theme as I've had conversations with people throughout this summer. Uh, those three teams are all very, very close. I've got Tennessee projected at 4.3 conference wins, Kentucky 4.3 conference wins, Florida 4.2 conference wins. So I'm not going to be surprised if Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida – they're, in my opinion, they're going to finish two through four. I don't know the order, but um, I would not be surprised to see Tennessee being that number two team in the East. King, I'm gonna. This is like way off the radar, and I'm not suggesting that this team is going to win the SEC or even win their division. But this is a team that I think is being criminally underrated, really for reasons off the field more so than anything. I think, and so where I'm going with this, Auburn. where I'm going with this one, King, you just nailed it. It's Auburn. Yes. So like. I like guessing those. Yeah, so like for me, so Auburn's got the 10th best odds to win the SEC. And again, I I don't think they're going to win the SEC. I'll be very surprised if it's not Alabama or Georgia that wins the SEC. I mean, Alabama's minus, I'm looking at 177. That seems like an odd 
that seems like a weird odds. But Alabama's minus 177, so odds on favorite. Georgia's plus 155. King, the next team is Texas A&M at plus 1,600. The next team after that, Tennessee, plus 5,000. Like, this is overwhelming that Alabama and Georgia are the two favorites within their division. They're the two favorites to win the conference. I don't think Auburn's going to win the SEC West, so they're not going to win the SEC. But I'm just saying, for them to be plus 1,500, excuse me, plus 15,000. So, King, that is tied for 10th best odds. I think Auburn is the 6th best team in the conference. So, I've got them as a, as a top 25 team. i got them as the 6th best. I'm only projecting 3.4 conference wins for them, um, which would finish 5th in the SEC West. So, my numbers stack up the West with Alabama, A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State. It's, it's just they have to play in the West, and there's only so many wins to go around. Like That's why Auburn is where they are. I do think Auburn, I'm projecting uh, 6.7 wins for them on the season. Uh, I believe the over-under was somewhere around 5 or 6, I think. Um, so they're a team that I think is going to hit the over. Uh, maybe it was 5.5. I'm not sure. Uh, but either way, Auburn's a team that I think is being underrated, not being respected enough. They're a team that I think could pull an upset or two and some prize to people this year. They're not going to win the West, but I'll go with Auburn because they're plus 15,000, which is 10th best, and I have them as the 6th best team in the SEC this year. So, King, who you got for the team that you hate? And I know you hate the entire SEC. So uh, try to pick just one, but you can go more than that, as I've done on a couple of occasions as well. And I might do that here in this one too. I don't know yet. Uh, But go ahead. Who do you hate in the SEC this year? So this is actually – one of the SEC teams that I hate the least, to be honest. Spent some time in this state. Oh, King, no. No, you're not going went to. to. Went to a couple ball games there. Had a great time down there in Fayetteville. But I, I'm going to say that I think Arkansas is going to How can you do that to um, my man Sam Pittman, King? Hey, I love Sam Me Pittman. Too. I think he was a Me perfect too. hire for Arkansas. You know, again, he just embellishes what that culture, what they want down there. Um, and he's doing a great job of building this from the ground up, and he's continuing to just take that program up to the next level. Um, but I think that they got a little bit lucky last year, right, with their talent level. And it's not that Arkansas has doesn't have good players, but I just think some of those close games last year, it's going to be tough for them to get to that nine-win season, right? They host Cincinnati and South Carolina in non-conference. I'm sorry, not in not South Carolina is not non-conference, but they host Cincinnati in a non-conference game. Um, you know, even if they take care of business there. Uh, I think that just the SEC schedule, right? The SEC West schedule you talked about, it's just going to be a battle. They also have to go at BYU to BYU this year. You know, A&M game in Arlington is always tough. Uh, the offense is going to be solid, right? KJ Jefferson, I think he's going to continue to improve. They've got a good running back threat. We'll see what happens on the wide receiver with the outside. Who's going to replace um, Burks, the production from him. He started slow last year, but ended up having a killer season. Um, defense I'm very worried about. I don't think Arkansas has a lot of depth. They have a couple guys. Bumper pool could be an All-American linebacker. Jalen Catalan in the secondary, but I'm really concerned there. I think they're going to give up some yards. With that SEC schedule, I'm thinking 7-5, and 8-4 and four year at best for the Arkansas Razorbacks this year. So I don't like them in the SEC this no, year. No, you hate them. You hate them. Hate there you em. go. I hate, hate them. Yeah, so so yeah. I'll add in on Arkansas King because I've taken some criticism. People have criticized me on my Arkansas uh, take this year. Saying because that's actually that's the team that I have projected to be the worst in the SEC West, very very slightly. These te- 
Uh, behind behind Mississippi behind State. Behind Mississippi State even. So Auburn, Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas, they all stack up within about seven spots of each other in my ratings. They're all neck and neck, but because of how the schedule, uh, the conference schedule just shakes out, I've got Arkansas projected to be the number four team in the West behind Alabama, A&M, and Ole Miss. Uh, but I actually have them as the worst of all those teams, worse than all those teams below them. But again, it's, because, it's how the schedule shakes out. Arkansas is a team that people have said, Kelly, why don't you like Arkansas? What's going? It's not that I don't like Arkansas. To your point, King, I think maybe they overachieved a little bit last year with regard to uh, the talent that they had and, and win expectancies in those games that they should have had. I think Sam Pittman's an incredible hire for that program. I think he's perfect fit for them. I really enjoyed the interview that Josh Pate was able to get with him when he was down uh, in Atlanta for the SEC media days. He said something that you just touched on, King, the depth of, of that roster. Sam Pittman said that his ones are going to be able to compete almost with anybody. I mean, take Alabama and Georgia out of there, but almost anybody else in the SEC, his ones are going to be able to compete. The problem is injuries happen, it's a long season, and you've got to get depth. To compete in the SEC, and in the SEC West in particular, you have to have depth. I'm not sure Arkansas has that just yet. They are building towards that. There are people in the transfer portal. There are recruits out of high school who have decided that Arkansas is a destination. It's where they want to go. It's not a backup school anymore. Uh, that is a place that's a destination for top, for top-end recruits, top-end transfers, and I expect Arkansas will continue to trend the right way. You might not see that reflected in their win-loss record this year relative to their win-loss record last year. I'm looking at 6.6 expected wins for Arkansas yeah. overall this year, 3.7 in the conference. Uh, but that is not the team that I'm going with for the team I hate, King. I'm going to keep it uh, in the SEC West. This is a team that I banged the drum on last year a little bit for a team I thought was consistently overranked by whether it was the committee, the AP pool, doesn't matter. It was overranked because they had one win on their resume, which was outstanding. It's eye-popping. Everybody loved it. But what they refused to acknowledge is there were a couple other games on their schedule. One of them was against Arkansas that they dropped, and they feel like they weren't being properly punished because the math, King, it it doesn't matter if you if – you, so I'm talking about Texas A&M. I'm not going to bury it anymore. I'm talking about Texas A&M. If you beat Alabama but then lose to Arkansas – in the math, it sees you as one and one. And it's going to say, well, you probably beat Arkansas and you probably lost to Alabama. It doesn't matter to the numbers which one you beat and which one you lost to. The reality is you're one and one. And so here is what the average top 25 team would be expected to have record-wise versus those two teams. Here's what you have. I don't care you beat the best team in the country because you lost to somebody who you shouldn't have lost to. So my numbers account for that. My most deserving rankings account for that. It seems like human nature tends to over-reward really good wins and over-punish really bad losses, when in reality, the numbers look at it as just a win and a loss, and then it stacks it all up and says, okay, here's what you are. What is the average top 25 team expected to be versus this schedule? So, to me, it's Texas A&M. No, King, I do not think Texas A&M is an overrated team. I don't think they're a bad team. I've got them number seven right now in my preseason numbers. That is incredibly good. They are number two in the SEC West, both in terms of my K-Ford ratings as well as projected conference wins. They are at 4.8. The problem is, King, they are the team, the only team outside of Alabama and Georgia who has better than plus 5,000 odds to win the SEC. So what the odds makers are saying is if that Alabama does not win the SEC, it will be Texas A&M. And I would agree with that at face level. If, it's, if you're telling me Alabama does not win the SEC West, then I'm saying, okay, it's probably Texas A&M that won the SEC West. Even though all those teams are good, it's probably Texas A&M. King, Texas A&M, to me, you're putting a lot of stock in Texas A&M being able to go on the road and beat Alabama in the middle of the season and then not lose anywhere else. Because even if you go on the road, and or, sorry, and then lose only one other time. 
So if you beat Alabama, you got that head-to-head, you can afford to lose somewhere else, but not twice. And I'm not convinced that Texas A&M cannot lose two times, even if they beat Alabama in the regular season, just like last year. They could not lose two times, which is why they did not represent the West in the SC Championship game. Texas A&M has 4.8 expected conference wins, King, by my number. Alabama has 7.3. King, that is a massive gap between expected wins for one and two. To me, putting money down on Texas A&M is a total flyer, and I don't expect you to see that money again. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I do not expect Texas A&M to win the SEC West. Therefore, they're not going to win the SEC. Texas A&M is the team that I hate this year in the SEC. I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be great. They're not going to win the SEC West because Alabama is standing in their way. So, King. No chance. We, <laughs> yeah, right? So, no chance. So we both picked Alabama to win. Your sleeper pick was uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. My sleeper pick was Auburn. We have our reasons for those. You hated Arkansas. I hated Texas A&M. That leaves one conference left, King. We're coming home to the heartland. We're looking at the Big Ten, the Midwest, which now spans from sea to shining sea, King. I absolutely hate that. Speaking of things that we hate, why is Rutgers in the Big Ten? I know why they're in the Big Ten. It's rhetorical. Why is Rutgers in the Big Ten? Why is Maryland in the Big Ten? Why is USC and UCLA going to be in the Big Ten? I hate it, King. It's the way of the world. I'm still going to watch college football. I'm still going to love it. I don't have to like what's happening within it. (sighs) Okay, King. Who's your favorite? You need to get that I did. I did. It's just so disappointing at the end of the day money talks in every industry in the world all the time college football is no exception it has been an exception to this point we should enjoy it we should have enjoyed it more i'm going to enjoy these final few years that we have of our current conference alignments before things just get totally out of whack and money just absolutely rules every single day but king i digress i've said enough feel free to chime in if you feel so inclined but i'll turn it over to you who do you think is going to win the big 10 just one comment, and we've talked about it. You and I are in a complete agreement. It's not what we grew up with. It's not the college football. It's never going to be the same for what we grew to love. Um, and that's the sad part about it is, it is that's taken away. But money talks, like you said, this is not something that anybody's shocked by. It's been – the writing has been on the wall for years. We've just got to suck it up and accept it. It's not going to change anything, like you said, in regards to us viewing and, and our love for it. But – it's just going a different direction than we do. We're the old, we're the old the, men on standing on our lawn, King, yeah. screaming at clouds yes, and telling yes. the kids, telling the kids, too. riding their bikes on the sidewalk to not step on our grass. Like, I mean, as a homeowner, I can relate to and this. Back in our day, yeah. you don't remember yeah. when. Yeah. Back in our back day, in, we didn't. Do back this. in my day, the yeah. Big Ten had eleven. Yeah, Penn State was in it. It had eleven. There was no Nebraska. Yeah. There was no Maryland. There was no Rutgers. Back in my day, King. Yeah, so we're going to stand up there. We're going to yell at the clouds, and guess what? Money's going to keep tra- keep changing hands. We're going to keep seeing this, and, we'll, yeah, and we'll we're going to and, and we're going to keep watching because we love college football, yeah. even if we don't love what's happening. So, all right, all right, we've done it. We've talked about it. Big Ten King, it's what we're here for. What do you got? I hate this too, but let's just hand it to the Ohio State Buckeyes again. You know, I've picked the favorites across the board here to to win the conferences, but ultimately. That's where the smart money's going, I think, right? Um, outside of Bama, I think Ohio State is the best team in the country. The offense is going to be elite. Three Heisman Trophy potential candidates, I think, with Stroud, Henderson, and, and Smith and Jake. Ooh, you're putting here. Henderson in there too, uh, huh? I think so. Okay. I think he's got the potential to take the next step. Okay. Um, I like that offensive line. Um, I think it was it Paris, not Paris, I want to say Paris Campbell. Who's your left tackle? 
Paris Johnson. That's his guy. Uh, I got, I yeah. got in my head. Paris Johnson. He's going to be All-American left tackle as well. Ohio State brings him in, and that's where I'm just looking at these guys all are, are projected to be studs already at the next level. The offense is going to be unreal, right? And Ohio State, their main focus this year is going to be to, to clean up that defense. You know, I think they got a stud in Zach Harrison there on that D-line, bring in Jim Knowles, wanted to be at Ohio State. Um, you know, they, they've got a big game for the opening week of the season, right? Notre Dame at home. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, Ohio State coming out with a, with a top 10 opponent. Um, you know, I think that's going to set the tone for them this year. Um, you know, at Michigan State, at Penn State this year. But ultimately, we saw last year what this offense is capable of. I don't see – I mean, we, they did lose Olave. They did lose Wilson. But I don't see a lot of, of regression this year. You know, regardless, as long as that defense can take another step for them, I think it's pretty easy. Uh, they take the Big Ten this year, um, it, it, you know, at least obviously the West and make their way into the, to the tight championship game. And they're going to be double-digit favorites again versus anybody they play in the West. Yeah, King, I'm with you. I don't have a whole lot to add. The reason that I don't tout my fandom of Ohio State is because I produce these objective numbers. Uh, and I don't need people out there who don't know my work, don't understand my work, or don't want to understand my work. You're juicing Ohio yeah, State's numbers. Say, you juices Ohio right? State's numbers, everybody. Say, Just so you know, don't listen to what Say an Ohio State homer, this, that, the other. Like, that's why I don't promote that I'm an Ohio State fan. If you're listening to this podcast, though, you understand my numbers you want to work to understand them you know their objectives so i'm comfortable sharing with this group what i don't share with the full group on on social media um at least as much but king like there's no denying this year ohio state is the head and shoulders favorite in the big 10 i mean i said earlier i have three teams that are the tier one teams in college football this year it's alabama it's ohio state and it's georgia my numbers have ohio state with 11.0 so right on 11 expected wins 8.2 8.2 conference wins. Um, this team is going to be a double-digit favorite in every single game they play. Closest game that I have right now is uh, projected to be the game uh, against Michigan at the end of the year. My numbers like the Buckeyes by 13 and that one. Also 13-point favorites on the road at Penn State. I've got it at 13 and a half at home against Notre Dame to start the year. Uh, so those are the three toughest games for the Buckeyes. I think Ohio State's going to be really, really good. There's a reason they're minus 230 to win the Big Ten, and the next closest team is Michigan at plus 1,000. So, yeah, I've got Ohio State as well. We agree on that one. King, who's your sleeper team in the Big Ten? Nebraska. Um, Oh, Ian Carroll is going to hate this. I know, but here's the deal. Straight up the deal is the reality is is there is a way that Nebraska can get to eight wins this year. Their schedule is not that difficult. Definitely. You know, you mentioned to me, they talk, we talked, they do have to go to, or they host Oklahoma week three, week four, right? It's, or week, week three, three it's, it's their fourth, fourth game. game. Yep. yep. Right. But outside of that, I mean, there's a very likely chance that they could be sitting seven, one, six, and two at Oklahoma. You know, that's a toss up. But after that, in a five week stretch, Nebraska is going to play Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue. Pains me to include Purdue in this conversation. We've got to be included in this conversation in Illinois, right? Yep. There's potential for six and two. Now they do have to finish the year. They've got Minnesota, Wisconsin at home, Michigan, it's, Iowa on the road in their last four. It's weeks, a buzzsaw at the end. Going to be tough. yep. Right, yeah, buzzsaw at the end. But they could be six and two through eight games. Seven and one, maybe, maybe. And I Purdue beats Nebraska every year, so I hope they whoop them again. And I, I you know, we'll see what what happens when they play, but. There's definitely Nebraska hitting that over seven and a half. I like, you know, Mark Whipple, we talked about it. He left Pittsburgh, new offensive coordinator in there. Um, 
you know, unproven secondary on the defensive side, but they've got some of the best linebackers in the Big Ten. Uh, Nebraska's going to be bowling again this year. That's that's a hundred percent fact. I kind of like. I haven't bet it yet, but I'm leaning towards that over seven and a half. I think Nebraska is eight and four and, and makes some noise in the West this year. So King, I, I'm stuck between two from my sleeper. I guess I'll go. I don't even know if you can call it a sleeper. Uh, can Wisconsin be a sleeper? Are they? I mean, are they? I was. Uh, yeah, I think. Are so. they allowed? Okay, be, Dude, they've got because some, all yeah, the talk is about Ohio State, right? And like rightfully so, as we just outlined why. But let me let me let me bring it back to Nebraska. I'm with you. I think they could be uh, seven and two king through nine games. My numbers have them as an underdog against Oklahoma. It's our Minnesota game. Uh, they could win. Yeah. They could win the Minnesota game. I think I have them as I have them as an underdog against Oklahoma and a very very slight underdog king. You're gonna like this. A less than, it's a half a point. So I guess you'd make that one point. Uh, a one point dog Perdue. to uh, Purdue. I actually do have Purdue favored okay. at home Makes against sense. Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then. They're not favored in any of their final three at Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. But to your point, my over or my expected wins for Nebraska this year seven point five. So uh, right there, where, where they're expected to be, I think Nebraska is my number one team in terms of projected uh, increase in number of wins relative to last year. Now we all know the narrative about the three and nine Nebraska last year, the best best nine loss team ever. Uh, I agree with that. Very unlucky, lost all these one score games. Yes, absolutely. I think they're going to bounce back this year, so I agree with you. I've got Nebraska as the uh, number three team in the Big Ten, Big Ten West in terms of power rated. I have them behind Wisconsin and just behind Iowa, but I have them because of how the schedule sets up. To your point, I have them as the number two team in the projected Big Ten West standings with 5.2 conference wins. That's behind Wisconsin's 5.7. So they do get was. What do you got their season? What do you got their season? Uh, for Nebraska at over under for, Nebra- yeah. for Nebraska 7.5. So, so that's so right. I, I've got it right, right with Vegas. It, it's actually seven point four seven. So I guess I'd be. So you would take the well. I mean, the yeah, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch it. But yes, I mean, yeah, if you had yeah, to draw yeah. a line right at seven point five zero, I would go under by point zero three games. So, um, yeah, they're right there. I think Vegas has got it right. Uh, they get Wisconsin at home. I think that's really big. That could decide the West potentially in the second to last week of the season. Uh, but Nebraska's going to have a lot to play for late. King, I'm going to go with Wisconsin. And you can say, Kelly, that's not a sleeper pick. They're the favorite in the West. Okay, fine. They're the favorite in the West. I agree with you. They're the favorite in the West for a reason. I have them as the third best team in the Big Ten, and they are tied for the third best odds. So Ohio State, Michigan are 1-2, and they're 1-2 in my power ratings. Then they're tied with Penn State as the third best uh, odds to win the Big the Big Ten. But I'm going to take Wisconsin because those other three teams are all in the East. So for Wisconsin, we're talking about a sleeper to win the Big Ten. In order to win the Big Ten, you have to be in the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State, for that matter, all have to play each other. They all have to go through each other. We expect Ohio State to come out of that, but we expected that last year, too, and that didn't happen. So I think Ohio State's going to come out of the East, but there's a realistic probability that Michigan, that Michigan Penn State, and then a very, very outside chance that Michigan State could be in that conversation. In the West, yeah, it's wide open. You could talk about Wisconsin. You could talk about Nebraska. You could talk about Iowa. You could talk about Minnesota. You could talk about Purdue. They're all within one game of Wisconsin. Wisconsin 5.7 all the way down to Purdue at 4.6 expected wins there. They're all right there within one game of each other. But I like Wisconsin's odds the best to get to the Big 10 championship game and once they're there it's one game anything can happen kind of deal so i'll take wisconsin but if you're also looking for a sleeper king out of what i just named there purdue is all the way down at plus 3300 
And Purdue's where you and I went. So no one ever calls me a Purdue homer because Purdue's my number two team. And that's a whole separate story. Kelly, how can you like Ohio State and Purdue? Don't worry about it, guys. We'll, we'll get into that another time. But I do like Purdue. They're my number two team. I always root for them if they're not playing Ohio State. That is the ninth best odds to win the Big Ten at plus 3,300. Uh, I just said I have them fifth in the West. But at 4.6 projected conference wins, that's one game behind first. So if you're looking for a true, true sleeper, if you say Wisconsin doesn't count, Kelly, Give me Purdue, because the odds are so long, they're all the way up at plus 3,300, but I think they're going to be there. If they can get past Penn State in the opener, King, that's a massive game. If they can get past Penn State in the opener, man, Purdue's going to be a team to watch out for in that West. So there you go. Uh, Now, King, we got one more to hit. Who's the team that you hate in the Big Ten? And you can't say IU, because no one's expecting anything at IU. You can say IU if you want, because you just hate them. But who's the team that you hate this year in the Big Ten? Yeah, let's just go ahead, Purdue. That's oh no! no! I just wanted I just wanted to throw that out there, see what kind of reactions we get. Can you imagine if I came out here and just threw my oh my gosh? Like I thought you were being serious. No, I can't. I couldn't. I mean, I have a lot of reservations this year, right? That we can talk about as the season goes along. But uh, no, I would never do that. Purdue's going to win ten games and you know win the West this year. No, uh, my actual team that I hate this year is Iowa. Okay, Iowa. I don't think they're going to eight. I don't think they're going to win eight games this year. I think eight might be the number, but I actually. Don't know if they're going to get there. And just quite frankly, that defense is probably going to be the best in the Big Ten. I mean, you know, that conversation could probably be had again with Wisconsin being right there this year. But Iowa's defense, they've got All-American Riley Moss in the secondary. They bring in some good recruits in that secondary as well. Their D-line depth is probably going to be the best that it's had in the last couple of years. But that offense just stinks. And I'm sorry to any Iowa fans. They just stink. You cannot rely on Petrus and Alex Padilla to be your Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla to be your quarterbacks. You lose your thousand yard running back in, in Tyler Goodson, the offensive line, your all American center it's Iowa. So the offensive line will still probably be top, probably still want to be in top three or four, but you can't win in the big 10 with an off. I mean, you can more so maybe than other conferences, but I just don't think you can, can have sustained success when you have type of, offensive production that Iowa had last year that they're basically bringing back again this year. I think they lose three out of four easily to Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Nebraska. Iowa's the team I hate this year. What, King? Number 97 offense in the country last year is not doing it for you there in uh, Iowa City? <laughs> thanks thanks for bringing those numbers out. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear. 97 yeah. on the offensive side of the ball. They kind of remind you a little bit of uh, Clemson. Clemson wasn't quite that bad, but in terms of the what their makeup was, Iowa's defense last year at number five, um, and a big reason that they were in a lot of games. I mean, the, the, the luck factor with Iowa last year was insane. For as much as everyone talks about how unlucky was Nebraska, Nebraska in all of their games. I feel like it got lost a little bit as Iowa uh, didn't didn't finish the season as strongly as they started with with regard to their record. Iowa was the luckiest team last year, it seemed, at least for the first half or two-thirds of the season, winning all these close games, getting every single bounce of that weirdly shaped football that we play with, King. The turnovers, the, the amount of interceptions that they had, the amount of defensive touchdowns, it was like, holy cow, this is not sustainable to your point. And uh, they, they did end up falling off a little bit. The offense was just not good. I'll, I'll say it. The offense was bad. 97 is bad for anybody in FBS. Talk about a Power 5 team who's in the t- spent most of last year in the top 25. That's terrible. I mean, that, that that's no good. So, yeah, I, I don't blame you for hating Iowa this year, King. Uh, they didn't show us anything last year on that side of the ball to inspire confidence. I'm not going to go with Iowa for the team that I hate, though. I think you make a lot of valid points, but I'm not going to go with Iowa. Uh, King, bringing it back to, geez, 45 minutes ago where you were talking about the Big 12, I hated that I had to hate Baylor. I'm hating that I have to hate this team, too, 
And the reason that I feel like I'm needing to hate this team is because they're getting they're getting some public love, maybe not from the odds makers, because I think the odds makers in Vegas are looking at it a little bit more like I'm looking at it, but the public just seems to love, love, love this team. And King, I love, love, love this team. I think the coach they got there is incredible. We talked about Sam Pittman and how great of a fit he is at Arkansas with the culture. My goodness, I love this coach and the fit they got. You got to guess where I'm going with this, King? I think so. Go ahead, give it to me because I'm ready to say it. Rutgers. Uh, oh, wow. No, uh, I do think that Shiano's a good fit for Rutgers. I think that what he did there in the mid-2000s when they were in the Big East was awesome. I mean, they stink, maybe, so I can't really say a team that, they, that you maybe, hate. But I thought maybe not replicable in the Big Ten today to the success they had in the mid two thousands with uh, with Ray Rice at running back and, and and some really really good teams. You know, cracking the top ten of the BCS and all that. But uh, are you about to say freaking PJ Fleck in Minnesota? Okay, you're zero for two, so I'm just gonna give right, I'm just gonna good. give the right, answer. So there we go. The place that I'm going here. No, dude, I don't like PJ Fleck. You know that. Um, I don't. I, I think yeah. I talk about people who are genuine and culture fits like Sam Pittman, like. Dave Aranda, I do not think P.J. Fleck is genuine. I'm not sure he's a culture fit just about anywhere, except for maybe if he went back to Western Michigan and brought back Row the Boat there because I think it's a sham at, at Minnesota. I'm sorry. If we have Minnesota fans that are listening, I, I, I'm sorry. We're being more honest this year. We're being more truthful. I'm channeling my inner Dabo and telling you exactly how I feel, and I'm not going to hold back on it. So hopefully people like it. I don't know. I feel a lot better about it. It sounds like I'm, I'm excited. I, it's just more me. Less robot, more me with this. I'm not trying to be politically erect anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to go off the rails, but I'm going to tell you how I feel. So, King, you're 0 for 2. It wasn't Rutgers. It wasn't Minnesota. Where I'm going is East Lansing. I'm going to Michigan State. I, all right. That was what I would have guessed for my third try, <laughs> okay. so we're counting that as a win. For me. Oh, gosh. In football, you get four tries to get a first down. I guess I owed you two more. Uh, okay, no, but I'm going Michigan State. And, again, this isn't that I don't like Michigan State. Quite the opposite. I like Michigan State. I, I like what they got going on there. I think Mel Tucker's a great fit. I think the improvement that they showed last year was tremendous. Just like Arkansas – I think Michigan State probably had a better win-loss record last year than they should have had based on their talent level, based on post-game win expectancies, things like that. So I expect a little bit of regression this year in terms of win-loss record. So for Michigan State, like to me, they're the fifth best team in the Big East, or excuse me, in the Big Ten. Like that, that's really, really good. I said East there because I'm getting ready to go to the division. The problem is they're the fourth best team in their own division. So when you're fourth in a seven-team division – how am I supposed to expect you to contend for the conference championship when I'm barely expecting you to contend for the division championship, right? So Michigan State's sitting there at plus 2,700 odds. That's eighth best odds in the Big Ten. I think they're the fifth best team. So you're like, well, Kelly, that should be like a sleeper pick. You think they're fifth best. They have the eighth best. That's good odds. The problem is, guys, they're in the wrong division. They're in the East. They got to play. They got to play Ohio they play State. They got to play Michigan. Mm-hmm. They got to play Penn State. And if I'm looking at the rest of their schedule in, in the cross games, they got Minnesota, which is not easy. It's not. It's not terrible. It's not easy. And they got Wisconsin. Like they're getting the best team out of the West too. So the schedule just doesn't set up right for Michigan State this year. Don't they go to Maryland too? They go to Maryland. That's a, that's an East game. But yeah, they go to Maryland. Um, yeah, they're yeah. on the road at Maryland. They're on the road at Michigan. They're on. Oh, the, you were just referencing. Yeah, the they're just the yeah, two crossovers that they have. Um, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, Wait, there's three crossovers. Sorry, they play at Illinois as well, which should be a winnable game. Yeah, there's three crossovers. You play six in your division, three crossovers. That's how you get to nine. Good math there, Kelly. Um, so, yes, that's how they get to their nine games. 
I'm looking at 7.7 overall wins for Michigan State this year, 5.1 in the conference. That stacks up for fourth best in the East, but 8.2 is where I have Ohio State. You got Ohio State at 8.2, you got Michigan at 6.7, you got Penn State at 5.7, Michigan State all the way down at 5.1. That's three full games behind where I expect the division leaders to be. That's too much ground to make up. I hate Michigan State for that reason. So there are some teams tonight that I said I hate, and I hate them for good reasons, and I like hating them. There's some teams tonight that I said I hate, and I don't like that I have to hate them. Put Michigan State in that camp because I think where they're going is good. I think Mel Tucker's the right guy. I just don't think they're going to win as many games here this year as they did last year. So, Kinger, to recap the Big Ten there, we both have Ohio State winning it. Your sleeper team, remind me, was um, your sleeper team was Nebraska. That's right. My sleeper team, Wisconsin, if you can call them that. I also threw a little love to Purdue there for the sleeper team. Hopefully Parker Buell likes that one. Um, but then the teams that we hate, you hate Iowa. I hate Michigan State. There you go, King. That is the first episode of season two of We Hate Your Team. I'm not gonna lie, I'm looking down. We went like an hour and a half. I know we were. I know we were shooting Just to say that we wanted to keep it under. An hour. We were shooting for 45 to an hour. We are committed to getting it there. But guys, you've had an entire summer without us. We're so excited to be back. I think that's shown through tonight. I love the new energy, King. Hopefully the audience does too. Please, 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 uh, if you're still listening, it means you're one of our hardcore listeners, please comment when we post this on social media. If you like the new energy, if you wish we'd go back to being politically correct, give it to us. We'll take your feedback. We want to give you guys a show that you enjoy and like. But yeah, King, I loved it. I loved having the ability to be more honest. We were putting we were putting restraints on ourselves, right? And I was, I'll, I'll, sp- I'll speak for myself. I was putting myself a muzzle on myself a little bit with how I actually feel about some of these things. Part of that is just because I'm not like a confrontational guy by nature. Part of that is because I work in college athletics. So I want to be make sure I'm being kind of careful with what I say about this and that. But this is totally different. My college football ratings is totally separate from my professional life. It's totally separate from my personal family life. This is me and my view of college football. I hope you liked it, King. I love the energy you brought. Um, yeah, man. I think this was Absolutely. I think was this is same thing with me, man. And I, like I said, I think I was just focused on the wrong priorities, maybe trying to dive a little bit too much into the matchups, stats, players last year. Like still, that's, that's how I watch football. That's how it's going to be incorporated. How I, you know, matchups, how I, how I evaluate my gambling and who to pick, but just got to be authentic. Right. I don't like every team in college football this year. Right. And it doesn't mean that there's a lack of respect. Like we talked about none of that, but there's just facts. Right. And we have our opinions on them. We're going to state them. It's our show. We get to do what we want with it. And, uh, season two, buddy. Here we go. An hour and 40 minutes in, we're ready to roll. <laughs> season two, ep one is down. We hope you enjoyed it. This has been the We Hate Your Team podcast with K Ford and Kinger. We'll be back to preview the group of five conferences and the independents a little bit later. But for now, we're signing off. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And we will see you guys in the next episode.